Kia ora and welcome to Business Your Way, a podcast where I take you behind the scenes and look at the strategies, systems and support needed to grow and scale an online service business. One that not only supports you and your family financially, but one that gives you the freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm taking the many lessons learnt over the last two decades of running my own business and working with hundreds of clients to bring you what's working now conversations. I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you real stories from real people, including myself. We're going to talk about everything from how to get clarity on your vision, creating systems so you can automate and delegate, how to hire a kick-ass team that creates raving, returning and referring clients. We're even going to talk about how to kick those limiting beliefs to the curb so that you can flourish in your business. I'm your host, Sandra Julian, an Indigenous mama of three, fashion-loving sewist and business strategist. Each week, I want to help you dream big, plan well and do the work to grow and scale your business your way. Hi, Sunny. Thanks so much for joining us on the Business Your Way podcast. The topic that we're going to cover today, I am sure that our listeners are going to get really good value from it. But before we dive into our topic and get really down and dirty with all the juicy bits, I would love you to start by introducing yourself to our listeners, who you are, who you serve, and what you do to make your moolah. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for having me here. I am so happy to be here and I do hope that we have some wonderful nuggets of wisdom for your listeners. My name is Sunny Logsdon and I am based in Park City, Utah in the United States. And I work with small service-based businesses to create structure and systems around their marketing efforts so they can grow sales. Most businesses, most small businesses plateau at some point. They're profitable, but they need to increase to the next revenue level. And to get to that next level, they really need those systems in place so that they're able to expand. And that's where I come in. Oh, now you're speaking to my heart. Systems. Systems. <laughs> and so how do you make your moolah? Do you work one-on-one with clients or is it more uh, group or self-paced? What does that look like for you? Yeah, well, it has evolved as all businesses do. I spent the large part of my career doing one-to-one work and creating content strategies for my clients, done-for-you strategies. And I have now shifted my business and I, I do part of it as a one-to-one service. I go in and I work with clients to create what I call the strategy starter And then their marketers or the business owner, depending on who I'm working with in that particular business, goes into a group program as they work to implement the systems in their business. Nice. And so let's dive into your background. How did you get to be in business? How did you decide that this is the path that was for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it it never is a clear path, is it? <laughs> no. I was a journalism major, which, you know, it's writing and marketing and writing are very close to one another. So I guess I didn't move too far off path. 
Um, It's been a long time since I started my business. I started my business back in my 20s and I stepped away from corporate. I was a VP of marketing for a real estate firm. And in that role, I just really saw the inefficiencies and the ineffectiveness happening with the agency that we were using. So again, I was in my early 20s. I knew everything. And so I decided that I could do it better. And I started my own business. My employer was my first client. And luckily, my hunch paid off. And I've been doing marketing ever since in one capacity or another. And any aspect of marketing that you are drawn to? Well, I when I first started my company, I was really focused on research because I felt like that's what was missing when I watched this agency and how they interacted with my then employer who then became my client because they would create these campaigns that just didn't hit the mark because they really didn't know the target market. And so when I started my business, I really dove into the research part of things and different types of research, qualitative and quantitative, really enjoyed the focus groups. Uh, That was probably my favorite type of research. And then as things evolved, what I found myself doing is really helping clients create their own strategies. And as you know, marketing has changed so much. And so long story short, I ended up helping a print agency evolve their business strategy from being a print agency into being an online content creation agency. And this was about 10 years ago when content creation was really, really hot. There wasn't a lot of competition out there. And they kept bringing me in again and again to do the research and create content strategies for their clients. And so that is where the evolution came for me to be a content strategist. And I stayed in that realm for a long time. And then I started realizing that the framework that I had developed really applied across industries and small businesses really needed this framework. And that's how it then evolved again into focusing on the systems and putting processes in place that can scale and be repeated. Again, systems, repeatable, consistency, that all makes my heart sing because when we were thinking about making our business grow and scale, that is at the core of everything that we need to be doing. You know, when we talk about content strategy, that can be a bit of a like jargon term, I think, when you know, small business owners, they're doing all the things in their business. So when they think marketing and then you go, all right, what's the difference between my marketing strategy and my content strategy? Like they're a bit lost with maybe what to do, especially if this isn't their wheelhouse. They're good at what they do, but marketing might not be their strong point. So this might be all a bit overwhelming. So how would you explain or differentiate when you need a marketing strategy versus a content strategy? Oh, it is a question that I am asked a lot. And as time goes on and our marketing continues to evolve, I honestly see less of a difference between marketing and content strategy because we need solid, valuable content for so many of our marketing channels. 
And so it really becomes about creating the right content and delivering those on the right channel, which make up your overarching marketing strategy because your marketing strategy should have two parts. You have your inbound marketing, which is when you are creating content that brings your customers to you. So you are putting out, you know, podcasts and you are putting out uh, valuable articles and ultimately people find you and they come to you. They get to know you in that way because they're hearing you talk, they're reading your articles and they're saying, hey, this person gets my problem. And so they begin to dive deeper and deeper into your content and therefore deeper into your marketing funnel. Then there is the other type of marketing, which is often known as interruption marketing. And this is more of your traditional or old school marketing. And that is when you're interrupting people where they are. So if you're scrolling Instagram and an ad pops up that is not somebody that you follow, they're interrupting your scroll. So that's interruption marketing. Interruption marketing is an advertisement on a radio program that you're listening to. So there are two parts to marketing, but they really have to, meaning there's the outbound and the inbound or the inbound and the interruption. But really what's so important is they're all working together to bring your potential customers deeper and deeper into your sales funnel. Okay. So if I'm hearing you right, uh, outbound can be more organic type marketing and your interruption might be more paid type marketing strategies. Yes. So the organic, um, organic marketing is typically your inbound marketing mm. and then your paid marketing is typically your outbound marketing. Right. Or interruption okay. marketing. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. I'm just... You know, for me too, because marketing's not not my forte, not my strong point, not my wheelhouse. So it's you know been a journey for me to understand all the terminology um, within marketing, and especially how marketing has moved and changed over over the years. And you know, inbound, outbound, you know, interruption, organic, paid. It it can sometimes all be just this foreign language. So I appreciate that, you know, breaking it down to be like, yes, organic, you do it yourself. Yes, paid, mm -hmm. you pay someone else to do it for you and and bring all that terminology together. Absolutely. It is. It's so, it's very confusing. And as we've talked about, it can be a time suck for business owners because a lot of business owners aren't sure where they should be putting their time. They're not sure where they should be putting their budget because there are so many options out there for them. And it's really important for marketers to get really clear on where they want to be and what's working for them so that they're not doing that. So they're not spending their time, you know, I call it throwing spaghetti at the wall and mm. it just kind of goes everywhere. And what we want to be doing is we want to be throwing darts. We want to know exactly what we're aiming at and be able to get it there so that we can have, so you can have the best results for your marketing. And how does a business owner, like how would I know what kind of marketing that I would 
even want to start to create, given perhaps my personality, how I run my business? How do I get a marketing and a content strategy that fits with me as the business owner? Yeah, it really has to be an intersection between where your target customer is and what you're most comfortable doing. So do you mind if we just run through a little exercise together? Yeah, go for it. All right. So let's talk about what do you enjoy? I'm going to assume maybe since you're doing a podcast that you enjoy talking to people. This is something that gives you energy. It feels easy. Is that is that right? Definitely. Yep. I prefer having a conversation and talking over sitting down and writing. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the first question is what do I feel comfortable doing? Because as business owners, if it's something that you're not comfortable with, if it's something just that feels so taxing, it's going to be really, really hard to do. And because our time is so limited, we want it to be something that's easy for us. And so that's the first question is, you know, what do you enjoy? Some people really enjoy writing. Some people really enjoy video. Some people really enjoy talking. And so that's the first question. And then the second question is, where are your customers and clients? Where is your target audience? And so for you, how did you figure out that your target client is a podcast listener? Because they are busy. So the target audience is agency owners. So they don't have a lot of time between juggling done for you client work and managing a team and doing all the things. So it is quicker and easier for them to listen to something than have the time to sit down and read. Right. And so it's the perfect intersection of what you enjoy and where your target customer is. And then the next layer to think about is what are their needs? What are the problems that they are trying to address on a daily basis that you can speak to? And then that begins to inform the type of content that you want to create on the channel you feel most comfortable in. That's good. What kind of research would I have to do? You know, thinking about the listeners, what research would they have to do in order to really deeply understand those problems that the client has? Mm -hmm. How do we uncover that in a succinct way in order to then be able to talk about, sometimes it's not a problem, sometimes it's a desire, sometimes it's just a challenge. How do we get into the minds of our ideal people that we want to work with Gosh, I love that question and I love customer research. Of course, the best way to do that research is to talk to them directly. And so that is always the best way, the first stop, but that's not always possible. And so luckily with social media, there are so many ways to listen. And so going to the places where they're hanging out, where they are talking about these problems is a really great way to hear what they're dealing with. And not only that, but to hear it in their voice. So Facebook has so many groups and getting into a Facebook group where your target market is, is a great way to listen to their challenges 
and to their concerns. So finding a group where they go to learn and they're expressing what their challenges are is amazing. Another really unusual way to do some of this research that is, I, I can't claim it. I, I heard about it elsewhere, but I think it's brilliant, is going to Amazon and looking at books that your target market would read and looking at the reviews because a lot of times people will review books and they will tell you the challenge that they were looking to solve when they bought the book. And then they will tell you the nuggets that they got from the book that helped them to solve that challenge. So once again, we're hearing about the challenge, but in their words, and we're also hearing what helped them with the challenge, which as a business owner and a marketer, because all business owners are marketers, that is such valuable information. That can be quite a big time suck, Sunny. How do we... How do we reduce the amount of time that we have to spend doing this kind of work? Like we go to Amazon, we're like, oh, what kind of books would my ideal client read? You know, how do we get that amount of time down to something that is manageable? Because, you know, no one's got, you know, two hours to sift through Amazon to get, you know, a couple of nuggets of information, I suppose. Right. Well, this all goes back to having those systems in place so that we are constantly gathering information. So there are different buckets of systems that I like for my clients to implement. And the first one is customer touch points. So there's three C's. And the first one is customer touch points. So putting a system into place so that you're constantly gathering feedback at key customer touch points. That way you are hearing from them, what books am I reading? You know, what are my challenges? And you can go mine for that data when you need it. It's right there at your fingertips because you have put a system in place to collect the data. And when this is in place, you have so much information at your fingertips. This is something that big businesses do regularly. They analyze, they collect this data, they analyze the data to make strategic decisions about the growth of their business and the marketing. But this is something that's missing in most small businesses because A, most business owners aren't sure where or how to collect that data. And second of all, you know, it takes a minute to set up these systems, but once you do it, it pays you back immensely because you have the information and you're no longer having to invest time in getting that. You're not specifically going out to ask each customer or client for a testimonial because you have that system in place. Super smart. So what would be the systems that you would recommend putting in place? Like where are the where are the recommended touch points through that that through that customer journey of right from just awareness when they become aware of you to you've delivered the service and you're at the you know testimonial gathering phase. Where are the ideal touch points to gather this customer data along that journey? So there are five that are very key. And of course, you can add some in or you can take some away depending on what your customer's journey looks like. But the first one is as they're entering the funnel. And so the first conversion that happens, and what I mean by conversion is that they have done 
something to engage with you. And so a lot of times this might be downloading a lead magnet. So maybe they have provided their email address to you in exchange for a download that sits on your website, or maybe they have requested something from you. But at that first phase that you are now aware of them, collecting data at that touch point is imperative because what you can find out there is what problem is it that they are looking to solve? And really the simpler you can keep it, the better. And so with that step, that is the one thing, the one point of data that I would want to collect. The next one is when a purchase is made or they say no. And so once the purchase is made, you want to understand what it was that helped them make that decision. What is it that got them through the hesitation that they might have had? And of course, if they say no, that is really valuable information as well. So to find out what were they looking for that they didn't hear from you. The third one is onboarding. So right after that onboarding process, and you know this can be something as simple as walking into a doctor's office and having your first meeting with a doctor, or it can be a detailed onboarding process where they have, you know, forms to ex- extensive forms to fill out. Maybe there's a discovery meeting. It can be something more extensive. But after that initial onboarding, find out from them how it's going at that point. Because what you want is you want the customer at that point to be so glad that they've made this decision to work with you. You want them to feel so confident about their decision. And If they don't, you want to figure out what do you need to do in that onboarding process in order to create that confidence. The fourth touch point is, of course, after they've experienced your service. And depending on the type of service that you offer, if it is a service that's going to be repeated, we'll go back to the doctor, you want to check in with them after their first service and, you know, after their first appointment, and then maybe a little ways, you know, down the way, maybe it's six months if they're coming to you regularly. So you want to space those out. But if it's one in-depth service, like what I do with my clients, I want to have a touch point so that I can hear from them. Did they get what they were hoping for? How are they feeling at this point in their service or in our engagement? Because I want them to leave and be so excited about what they're learning that they are off telling everyone. And then the last touch point is after you have finished your engagement. So whether it's something that truly has a finishing point or they've just stopped coming to you, having that last final touch point to try to find out how they're doing. Did everything go splendidly and you know you have just ridden off into the sunset? Or if it's a situation where you would have hoped that they would have come back to you, why haven't they? What is it that was missing from them? What problem was not solved during the engagement. So those are the five touch points. And if you want me to recap, I can. Entering the funnel. The second one is when a purchase is made or they say no. And by purchase, they can be purchasing your service. And three is after the onboarding process. The fourth one is after they experience your service. And the fifth one is after the engagement is finished. Right. That is so helpful. And these don't need to be forms. These can be simple conversations with the client, right? They really can be. Although I am going to say I really encourage my clients to have a system in place that captures 
written feedback. And the reason for that is that it's hard to remember what people said later. And getting that customer voice is so important because as you hear from your clients, you will be able to use the things that they say in your own copy. And when you are able to use the voice of customer in your own copy, then your prospects hear themselves. They hear you describing the problems that they're facing or the challenges or the desires that they're facing in their own words when you use your customer copy. So a conversation is absolutely a great step and having it written down will serve you even better in the long run. Okay, so... Each of these touch points, you're recommending them to be written, like written touch points? Ideally, yes. And this has to be right for each business. And with some businesses, it it doesn't need to be quite that formalized. I still would recommend having at least two touch points that do have some written feedback because, again, that is just so valuable. But depending on your business, it might feel awkward to require written feedback that frequently. So it really depends on your own business and looking at your business and what feels natural within those touch points. And that's what I was going to you know, say. Definitely with my agency, the written touch points, when I'm so intimately involved with a client because we're dealing with one-on-one done-for-you services, we're getting to know their business super intimately. So going from that conversation, almost being like a contractor inside of their business for the services that we're going to deliver, I suppose stopping and saying, would you mind filling out this feedback form for us? That often would feel rather uncomfortable. And I'd want to say they would go, why, why, Sandra, why do you need me to do this? Like I'm busy. (laughs) I just you know, saw you. Right. Yeah, I just we just had that conversation, you know, just last week and now you're sending me a form like really do I need to do this? That mm-hmm. that would be the impatience of the clients that we're dealing with because they have no time, which is why they're engaging us as a, you know, done for you service provider, which is what agencies are, right? Agencies are the businesses that are providing the one-on-one service because they're filling a capacity void in somebody else's business. Absolutely. And so, right, it does not, a formal process might not or definitely does not work in every business, but sometimes that could even be an email instead of a conversation Mm. where it's just a check-in and you send an email and you say, hey, I thought, you know, Thursday's meeting went really well. Can you, you know, Maybe there's something specific that you can ask them. Here's what I got out of it. Can you tell me how you're feeling about this? And maybe they respond with, you have nailed it. You really understand our company and we are so excited to move forward. And that gives you, and hopefully they give you a little bit more detail than that, but even that can serve as a small testimonial that you really understand their company, that you've come in and you have immediately grasped what it is that needs to be done there for that agency. And so even just a very informal email can give you a quote that you can later come back and say, hey, you know, when you replied in this email, is there any way that I could use that as a testimonial or use this in this email series that I'm about to send out? And most of the time when you have a happy client, they will say yes. 
great. I like the informality of that and it feels as though it's just one of our regular emails because, you know, again, when you're working one-on-one with a client, you've got lots of emails going to and from just talking about different things with the delivery of the service. So just to inject that small question of, you know, I thought our meeting went really well and we covered off these things. How are you feeling about that? I I really like that suggestion. That feels comfortable and part of the service delivery, that that check-in about feelings. Because again, I think as agency owners, we're in the do, 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 tick the task, done the action, next. So we don't talk about feelings a lot or how are you feeling about what we just did? We are going, how is that performing? (laughs) That's probably more the language that we're using. So just to slightly shift that language and talk about feelings as opposed to actions, I think that feel like definitely for me anyway, as an agency owner, that would feel comfortable. Yeah, I think so. And I like what you've landed on here because when it comes to marketing and ultimately right now we're talking about marketing our businesses, right? Mm. The emotion is where you're going to connect with your prospect. And so when you can get that emotional response from a customer And then you can use those words in your marketing that will connect on emotional level with your prospect, which is going to bring them in. Now, of course, you're also going to have your statistics and the data that shows that you know what you're doing, but the majority of purchases and relationships begin with emotion. Yes, they do. Right. We. When's the last friend that you, you know, you did research on them and because of the data you found, you decided you were going to be friends with them, right? <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Oh, no. No. Because it's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a funny way to think about it. I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favor. If you are loving this podcast and this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend. Or even better yet, jump over onto Instagram and share it on your stories. Don't forget to tag me, I'm sandrajulian.co. That really is the best way for others to find out about this podcast, and I thank you in advance. Alrighty, back to the episode. So, how do we create the system around this? So, you know, that touch point that I was just talking about, you know, maybe we're mid-service and I'm just after our, I don't know, if my standard process is to have five meetings with a client, maybe after meeting three, I'm going to send my feelings email. Can that be stock standard? Like, can I have that set out as a template and I'm just personalizing it? Like, how do we get this into being systematic so we don't have to think about it? We know we just have to do it. So it depends on the systems that you use. So for me, I use Asana and a lot of my clients use Asana. And so when you are bringing a client in, you're laying out the, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, The service scope, like what you're going to do for them, right? Yes, you're laying out the scope of the project. And so you look at the scope of the project and you say, okay, where are the logical touch points? If you, if it's something that's not going to be formalized and automated, 
you're looking at it as you lay out the project. And this is part of putting processes in place so that every time you're starting a project with a client, you are laying this out and you are putting into Asana, here's when I need to do this to initiate this touch point. And yes, you could definitely have a template that you work from. And what I heard you saying is your relationships are so close with your clients and I can completely completely relate to that um, from the times that I did my one-to-one work where oftentimes, I mean, I've even had desks in there. It would feel so odd for them to get a templated email. And so I would want to maybe have a template that I start with, but I would want to make some edits so that it felt very current and very personal to that client. I love that. I love that. Yes. And I agree. Putting it in the project plan. So when you do the scope of work, create your project plan, insert touch points. I love that. So smart. Yes. Yes. It's so important to have that process. And Mm. what do I need to, what do I need to think about when I'm putting in this project plan into whatever system you are using to organize yourself? Yeah. And I, I don't think we think about that often enough when we're laying out our our project plan with the deliverables and the milestones we again as agency owners are probably just thinking about the deliverables that the client expects of us we're never thinking about our own business that much because we're like we're in the business of serving so we're in service mode so to use the project plan for a service deliverable And once you've mapped out that service deliverable and know what your milestones that you're hitting for the client, which you've agreed with them, then turning the tables and going, okay, how am I going to insert my touch points for my business? So I'm gathering this customer data. How am I going to put that into the project plan? So I like that little tip around thinking about it, what's in it for us, because we're Mm -hmm. so we're so focused on the client. So just that momentarily switching of our minds to how can we make this work for our marketing uh, would make that so much easier. And so when I work with clients, I like to implement the 3S equation, and that is structure plus systems equals sales. And so we have to think about the marketing structure for our business. What do we need? And, And it really it's the strategy. It's our marketing strategy. So what is it that we need for our own business? And then how can we systematically apply it so that as you're just, as you're saying, when we're in this specific phase of a project, we know that we need to reach out and find out how it's going and get their feedback in a way that we can use again. And when you have that marketing strategy and structure in place and you know what you're looking for, then it makes it easier because you've already set that up for yourself. It's not something that you have to think, okay, now what what feedback do I need to get with this client? Well, you need to get the same feedback that you know, you've been getting with the other clients. It's not, we don't want to continue recreating the wheel. And as small business owners, especially in the marketing realm, we recreate the wheel again and again and again. And the idea is to stop doing that. It's to really think about the big picture and then be very specific about how we implement so that we are repurposing the things that we're creating. So smart. That is, that is perfect. The 
the time that it might take for someone to sit down and think through the setup of this? Like, what would that realistically look like? Because someone's going to have a, this is going to take me time. But I'm of the opinion that time invested up front will return over and over again down the track. So if if someone needs to sit down with their marketing and think through their customer journey, their project plans, their usual milestones with their clients, how long should they invest up front to do this work? Well, in I guess that depends on if they are doing it themselves or whether they are working with someone. And I think part of the really the tough part about doing it yourself is knowing what questions do I need to be asking myself, right? And so that is where my business comes in. And what I found is when I went in to do these one-to-one content strategies, when I was working with the big companies, big companies are used to things moving slow. And so we could spend, you know, we'd say we were going to spend six weeks on creating a content strategy and it would end up being a good three months, not because of me, but because of them, because they were slow in making their decisions. And there were a lot of discussions and a lot of meetings that had to be had. But with small business owners, luckily, we don't have that red tape, which is why so many of us are small business owners, right? Uh, yes. um, but we also don't have people to bounce ideas off of, which can be really tough as a small business owner. So when I started shifting my business from working with bigger corporations to working with small businesses, the feedback I was getting is, well, I don't want to wait six weeks for a strategy. I need this yesterday. I need to be implementing And so what I started doing is working with business owners to create their strategy starter within a day. And so because I've been doing this, you know, I work with my clients and I I walk them through the framework so I know what to ask and they are able to give me the feedback. And then we spend about two hours together and then I go away and I come back with the strategy and they help to fill in the gaps and say, yes, this works for my business. No, this doesn't work for my business. Let's do this instead. And then we create that structure for them. And then after that, what they do is they have, there's a four month program where we walk through setting up all of the systems so they can immediately start working under the structure that's been created. And then we walk through setting up the system step by step so that they're only investing, you know, an hour, maybe two if they're really dedicated a week. But then it's exactly what you said, that time invested up front allows their business and especially their marketing to work like a well-oiled machine so that they're not thinking about this all the time. And we talked about customer feedback, but the other areas that are so important for businesses to set up systems in is content and then calendaring and calculations. And when I say content, what I'm talking about is content creation. So I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm always in need of content, right? I mean, there's a blog post that needs to be written. There's a, you know, we need to post on Instagram. We need another podcast. You know, somebody's requested an article. And as a business owner, we're working on our clients' business, especially as service providers, right? Yes. And so it's really hard to take the time, but we know we need to do it because we want to take our business to that next level. And in order to do that, we need the visibility. And when you have a content cataloging system in place, you find that you're able to stop 
recreating the wheel because you're able to categorize your content in certain ways that it's easily searchable and you can also identify what you don't have yet and fill those gaps. And so what you're setting yourself up to do is you're setting yourself up to create the right content because you're looking at all these different markers like customers. Do I have the right content for this customer segment? You're filing it by topic and how that piece of content performed, the keywords for that content and so on. And then you're also setting yourself up to be able to repurpose easily. And so what happens in that situation is that you're no longer feeling like you're constantly creating content and recreating the wheel because you're pulling from existing content. And then the last system that is so important is that calendaring and calculation. So setting up a time and a process so that you're regularly looking at your marketing and going, okay, this is working, this is not working. And when you have the right structure and system set up for that, you're able to glance at a report that's been pulled in from Google Analytics and quickly see what's performing and what's not. And so again, it's just about investing that time up front so that later you're not spending as much time on all of these things that used to cause you such headache. That was a very long answer to your question. I, I hope that I hope that made sense. But super valuable because those are the systems. And as you were talking through everything, I'm like, I see it. I see how that can be valuable. I can see how that can save me time. I can see by putting it in my calendar to review the data will help me make better decisions. You know, so I was just my my brain was just ticking constantly as you <laughs> as you were just giving that all out to us. How valuable, Sunny. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, I'm so glad it was valuable. And once you have these systems in place, you are able to grow your business in a different way because you have all of that at your fingertips. I think, you know, if, as you were speaking to that, I was like, okay, the thing I think would, again, feel like a time suck for me, and I think I would procrastinate around it, is, you know, deciding on my categories for my content, and then cataloging my categories. That felt heavy to me, and I'm like, oh, I think that would be yeah. something that I, I might put off unintentionally because I might get stuck or feel as though it's a it's a time suck. So yeah. any tips for how we might make that easy? Yes. So you were talking about the topics and when you when you sit down and you have your marketing strategy in place, that gives you a that gives you a place to start. And then from there, the categories that you're going to use in order to organize your content, they're pretty standard for every business. Um, you might have to think about your customer segments a little bit. And that is part of the upfront strategy work is just thinking about, okay, really, who are my customer segments? And so you've already decided that. So you have that done. And then some of your keywords that comes from understanding what it is that you're clients are looking for, you know, what are the desires and challenges that they have, because that leads to the keywords that they're searching for. And so that's something that's actually much easier to pull out than you might think when you hear the term keywords. Mm. And 
when what I recommend to clients is I recommend not trying unless you have an amazing VA who, you know, you want to pay to do this, but don't spend your time going backward and cataloging old content. Just start from where you are. And, you know, as you do this, you will remember, oh gosh, I sent out this email or I did this podcast and I'm going to use that for whatever it is you're creating next. Well, at that point, when you're accessing that old podcast anyway, go ahead and catalog it. And what you'll find is that you eventually will have the majority of your content cataloged, but just do it going forward because nobody want, nobody has the time to sit there and go backwards and catalog all of your content. That's just not realistic for those of us who are wearing all the hats. Yeah. And all small business, small business owners are wearing all the hats. So many hats. Yes. Sunny, this has been super helpful. I think we've dived into all the topics more than we thought we would at the beginning of this episode. Um, But I really like the idea that, you know, for small business owners, there is someone like you that they can reach out to, to get that same support that the big businesses get with another brain to help them bounce their ideas around or narrow down their strategy or work out what's going to work for their personality, their business, their clients. So being able to come to someone like you and get access to you as a resource that knows how the big businesses operate and then offer that up to us as small businesses, I think that's the thing that is really valuable. I did a podcast episode maybe two episodes ago, and it was all about, you know, where do small businesses go for advice? Because it's lonely when you are working for yourself. Even if you have a small team, it's lonely when it comes to strategy and knowledge and putting, maybe not systems, but putting the different aspects of our business into place and leveling them up when that's not our wheelhouse. So, you know, I appreciate you coming onto the podcast and sharing all of this with us. Well, you are so welcome. I appreciate uh, the invitation to be here. It's been a lot of fun. Mm, Nice. Where can people reach out to you if they want to bounce this idea around with you or get your support in helping them get their marketing and their content strategy and systems into place? Yeah, absolutely. The best place is to head to my website and the website address is riseandrepeat.co. So .co, no M. Great. Fantastic. All right. We will put that in the show notes as well. And do people just like reach out, book a call with you? What's that next step look like? Absolutely. Book a call. And I also have a marketing audit that I can do for people. And I can get you a URL for that too, because it's something that I don't offer generally, but would love to offer to your audience. Oh, I think that would be super helpful, like having your eyes on my marketing to audit and see where the gaps are and see where that improvement can be made. Beautiful. I appreciate you making that available to us, given that it's not usually available. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I would take Sunny up on that opportunity to, you know, get your marketing audited and then you know where you need to start next and you can, you know, stop wasting time going round and round in circles, just wondering where do I start? 
you'll get some some good advice on you know where the gaps are and where you need to head to next. So Sunny, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I have enjoyed it. I've got lots of nuggets and good information to implement. So thanks very much. Well, thank you for having me and I look forward to talking to you again. Before you go today, I wanted to say thank you for being here and listening all the way to the end. All of the links to this week's episode can be found in the show notes. Or if you like to read a really good blog, then you can head over to my website at sandrajulian.co forward slash podcast. Now you've probably realized that running a business is not for the faint hearted. There are challenges coming at you left, right and centre every day. But I'm here to tell you that challenges are only challenges because you haven't yet found an answer to them. The solution could actually be easier than you may think. But if you're anything like me, you tend to overthink or overanalyze the solution that is right in front of you. So what do you have to do to become the best boss you could possibly be? Well, you could go and take my two-minute free agency owner persona quiz at sandrajulian.co forward slash quiz. Here you'll find out how you can scale and streamline your business without compromising you and your lifestyle. I can't wait to know what your results are. So once you've done the quiz, why don't you take a screenshot, jump over to Instagram, share it on your stories, and don't forget to tag me. I'm at sandrajulian.co. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you hit the subscribe button to get notified of the new episodes as soon as they're released. And if you listen on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app, then I'd really appreciate if you could rate the show and perhaps leave a quick review if you are on the Apple app. Those five stars would mean the world to me and it would help get this show in the ears of more online service business owners. Alrighty, my friend, have the most productive week and I will talk to you again real soon.